0: You gotta give it the sauce, Leland.
1: The the sauce, eh?
0: Incoming transmission. Engage house party protocol. Mark 4, powering up.
1: Mark 17, powering up. Mark 44, powering up.
0: suits
1: are online welcome
0: to house party protocol power up suits and welcome in to another episode of house party protocol my name is will and with me today all the way from what i assume is starting to become the great white north already here we are september the 12th it's the one and only leland what's happening my guy
1: not much, not much. Actually, uh, we're we're halfway there. We're starting to get the the rainy season up here. We we've been getting some like rainy falls the past couple of years. So yeah, it's a uh, it's a nice it's a nice rainy day. Just waiting to cool down enough to turn to snow. I'm sure, and that'll probably happen by November.
0: By November, see, I'm over here down in the south where <laughs> what is fall? Our our fall is like a week, <laughs> I think, and. <laughs> And you're up there talking about the rainy season and saying it might not start snowing until November. But I thought Canada was snow central.
1: It all depends on where you're at, right? Like there are, there are places where, you know, seas see snow very early on. Uh, you know, if you if you go up to uh, up to around like the the northern parts of Ontario, like places like Timmins and everything like that, they get like a month of summer and then it just kind of goes away. They, they have one month of summer, then, you know, 11 months of hockey season.
0: There you go. 11. Hey, look, some people like that. And uh, to be fair, I'm excited for some NHL. Coming up soon. I'm I'm ready for that because I do like my hurricanes and I would love to see them go all the way. It's been a while, you know. 2006 was the last time we won a cup. I know you're going to oh, mention oh, the Maple Leafs.
1: 2006, leaves. eh? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That that's a long time. <laughs> it's the Leafs' year this year. You, you keep
0: saying that. I'm pretty sure. I, <laughs> pretty sure it's every I year, like, right? It, like any
1: any leafs fan i will keep saying that
0: <laughs> right it's funny how much overlap I, i'm sure you don't watch much nfl football but it, if you do at all but anyone out there listening that watches nfl football and hears him talk about the maple leafs you're you're going to somewhat in the back of your mind be like that sounds like a cowboys fan
1: <laughs> or a bills fan
0: <laughs> it or a bills fan but definitely a cowboys fan there's memes <laughs> out there where it's like the, the wheel of what's happening in the season for a Cowboys fan is hilarious. And it's always like a, you are here thing where it's like, we're the best we're going to win. And then they start losing or something bad happens. And it's like, and now you're here another year of failure. And it's just a yep. whole thing.
1: That, uh, that, that stings a little.
0: Yeah, it really does. I'm sure it does. But Leland, we're glad you're here. I know the suits out there are glad you're here. And, without getting too deep into it. I'm glad that you're feeling better. I know you've had some health things going on. So I'm I'm glad that everything's getting sorted out on that end. And uh, you know, you're such a bright spot in the community that it's it's good that that you're feeling better and, and getting healthy and getting everything right.
1: I definitely appreciate it.
0: Yeah, man. Yeah. But uh we're not here to talk about that craziness. We're here to talk about the craziness that is Marvel Crisis Protocol, and before we get too deep into this, I've noticed lately that my audio quality hasn't been where I personally might want it to be. If nobody's noticed, great. I'm glad. I want my audio quality to be impeccable. It's something that is very important to me. So, over these next few episodes, if things sound a little off, let me know. I want to try to improve and get better with every single episode that i put out there so make sure to tell me if something's not sounding right stuff like that i'm tweaking some different settings messing around with different things as we're recording and whatnot so i want to want to make sure to to get everything perfect and make sure we don't blast people's eardrums into oblivion if you know what i mean
1: no no we have to wait for the jerseys for that
0: Right, right. Yeah. So, last little bit of announcements before we dive into this episode here. We have finished our jersey making order shenanigans. I'm super stoked for these. They look awesome. We had, I think, 36 orders,
1: Leland. Like, way, way more than I thought. But I'm super stoked for you on that one. I think that's awesome.
0: Yeah, man. Like, such a good response to it. And,. This is incredible. I mean, it's it's just, I, if you'd have told me four years ago that there would be 36 people that want to wear a jersey that Rob mainly designed and I gave input on <laughs> around this podcast, I'd have been like, no way. No way. And it's just very humbling. You know, we've had a bunch of people joining in the, on the Discord and everything. And just the conversation and everything has just been incredible and I just want to say off the rip here thank you to everyone that gives me their time it's it's amazing it's wonderful and this whole jersey thing has been just so great I I can't it just warms my heart and makes me feel so such a humbling thing you know what I mean I'm rambling a little bit but I'm really humbled by it (laughs)
1: Well, I mean it's uh you you've you've been a great spot in the community, so it's it's nice that uh we can kind of show that support in this way.
0: Yeah, yeah. And it's yeah, it's just it's awesome. I didn't I don't make any money off of these things either. It's just, it's just something that we put out there, which is the best thing. Like it's just here, community, you have the thing. So anyways, more announcements later in the show. Let's jump into this episode, Leland, and this weekend we have mini-stravaganza popping off here. And I'm super excited for this. We went over this a, a while back here at House Party Protocol about everything that's going on. But I just want to give a quick reminder of what the schedule looks like. So Thursday, hopefully this episode will be out before the, the stuff starts. Everything I'm about to say is Pacific time. Thursday, 9.30 a.m., the Marvel Crisis Protocol roadmap. Then you've got Painting Ice versus Painting Diamond, then some Star Wars stuff, and then at 5.30 p.m. Pacific Time, you've got a Marvel Crisis Protocol Path of the Worthy, which I'm excited to see if there's any changes that are going to come to that. So for Thursday, Leland, real quick, anything other than than just the basics stand out to you here?
1: Uh, I I mean, I'm laser-focused in on just anything that's uh, MCP or Shatterpoint at the moment. Um, like, I, I, definitely want to see what the roadmap looks like. That's, that's going to be my big deal. Cause we've, we've seen very late releases, um, haven't gone this long without really new stuff for a while Corebox core box is going to be great and all, but, you know, just kind of having an idea on where they're at and what's coming is, uh, is kind of what I'm most excited for at the moment.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Same, same here. So Friday, lots of star Wars stuff to start the day and then at 1 30 p.m they have a painting warrior falls which i'm just gonna say get your airbrush ready if you're me like just just airbrush it and then touch it up with some some washes or something afterwards that's what i'd be doing if i were to paint that let's be honest here and then you've got evolving crisis response which what is that gonna be for marvel that's at
1: three that one's the interesting one. I've seen a lot of people throwing some speculation around that maybe it's going to talk about like changing some of the structure of the missions a little bit or you know maybe just like some design insight uh into the into the studio. So that one's going to be a very interesting one, I think.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And then Saturday 1:30 p.m. again, still Pacific time, Marvel Crisis Protocol, Painting Sinister Silicates, that it's got to be Sandman it's gotta
1: be it's gotta be yeah gotta be. yeah him him and his his what was it grunt constructs he called them yeah grunt structs Constru- yeah
0: <laughs> uh yeah so i'm excited for that and then you've got the marvel crisis protocol game modes galore which like this has to be the timeline event thing plus other stuff like it's gotta be
1: that or like they're gonna announce some more like um, uh op kits or something like that or ultimate yeah. encounters
0: yeah well, I'm excited for all of this. That's just a quick and dirty reminder of everything that's going on with MiniStrav. Very excited for it. And yeah, I mean, MiniStrav's always a good time with AMG. They just do so much. They, they really get out there and engage with the community and everything. So I'm really excited to see what they do and where MCP and everything that AMG does, but obviously we focus MCP here, But I'm excited to see where they're going because there's been a lot of change and a lot of growth at Atomic Mass Games over the last four years. And how they handle that and how they have have moved forward has been not without its bumps, but it's been solid. And I'm excited to see where it goes.
1: Yeah, no, for sure. Especially now that their, their attention is getting more divided. Um, now that they have to take on like Shatterpoint as well as X Wing and Legion and you know possibly Armada and everything like that, it's it, it'll be interesting to see just how much focus they can put onto a game like MCP um, without without removing quality.
0: Exactly, exactly, and I, I think that's a tall order. Honestly, it really is because they're being pulled in so many different directions. I mean, I wouldn't say that fantasy flight suffered necessarily from a quality perspective but you saw how difficult it was for fantasy flight to manage all of their star wars ip as they went through the process which is why amg now has it so i'm, I'm hopeful and confident that amg is going to continue to deliver what we as the players and fans expect
1: that that's definitely my hope as well um I, I just hope that they also don't develop a bit of tunnel vision and really just hammer it on one aspect of the game and that we actually see like all parts of it kind of still get that that nice attention to it.
0: Yeah. So. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Leland, there's a lot of nice attention that has been given to Earth's Mightiest Core set lately, and I can see AMG has put a lot of thought into some of these characters as not only intro to game mechanics, but also for us as seasoned veterans of the series, of the game, I think there's a lot to love here, and today, Leland, we're going to do something that we haven't done on this podcast in quite a while, and that's review not one, but two characters. So, I'm stoked, we've got Baron Helmut Zemo, and we've got Red Skull, Master of the World today. And Leland, since you're the guest, I'm going to leave it up to you. Which one are we going to cover first?
1: Uh, I think Baron Helmet Zemo is a little bit more interesting than Red Skull, in my opinion. Um, So let's, uh, let's go with him. I love it. Let's do it. And first
0: things first, as always, we have got to talk about this model. And Leland, I love this model. But it's not quite as menacing as the original Zemo, if I'm being honest
1: i I think you're exactly right. Uh, and in my opinion, I think it comes down to the fact that they took away his bomber jacket.
0: yeah, yeah, I, I think you're right. And it's one of those things where when I look at this model, it's a good model. like it really is. like I like the very much the action pose, all of that that's happening. But the bomber jacket on the original was just incredible. But also, like, it was kind of a meme for a little while that there were all the villains pointing and everything. But, like, with Zemo, with pointing the sword out and everything, it made sense. It was just, it was great. And It was
1: a duelist pose, right?
0: Exactly, exactly. And so, while I am marginally disappointed that we don't get to see pointy zemo anymore i do like that he's he's also very much in an action pose here
1: yeah the pose itself is actually really solid it gives a nice sense of uh fluid motion to it uh mm-hmm. which is really good and uh um, like the the differentiate like the difference between like the whites and the pinks and all that sort of stuff really help break up the otherwise like dark uh dark body of the model yeah so i like i do like it it's not it's not my top uh top models but it's also definitely nowhere near the bottom of my of my model preferences
0: yeah it's also for me the more modern baron Zemo look than the bomber jacket version like this is this is his what you'd see in a comic book if you were to open it up today and let me ask you Leland are you gonna paint this much like the box art or are you gonna get a little bit creative with it?
1: uh going pretty much box art. To be honest, yeah. it's uh, it's a little bit it's a little bit easier. Sometimes I lack some creativity and the 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 schedule I need to paint at sometimes, like unless I have a very clear vision of what I want to do, it's it's just easier to say, OK, there's the inspiration. Let's let's do my take on that.
0: Yeah, I feel that. I think I might if I paint when I paint maybe one day, uh, <laughs> I think I might go with like a brown jacket just to kind of somewhat represent that bomber jacket a little bit like I got a paint from the pro acryl range by monument that's a brown that I just am loving right now and it's one of their signature series ones I can't remember the name of it off the top of my head but anytime I want to paint something that looks like a little bit of leather or something it's got a little bit of a satin look to it oh man it looks great
1: that's awesome. I, I got to check out more of those paints. They they are fantastic.
0: Yeah, they're wonderful. So I really like that. But enough about this model. Let's dive in and talk about this character card, which the the character card art has taken a level up that is just awesome, first of all. <laughs>
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like the the design that they have with the cards now, the the rounded corners, the the fading, the fading blue or reds to whites, uh, no longer like the the sharp, um, the sharp whites for the uh, for the text boxes and then the art itself. I mean, whoever's designing these cards right now is knocking it out of the park.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. So we have Baron Helmet Zemo with an alter ego of helmet Zemo so it's the same alter ego as the original core box Baron Zemo so you can have both characters in your roster but they both can't be in your squad but you can see them across the table from you perfectly legal has a top stat line of four physical defense three energy defense and four mystic defense he has a stamina value of five a threat value of four He is size two and he moves medium. The only thing that changes on his entire card on his injured side, he goes up to six stamina. So Leland, I don't know about you, but there's definitely some things that are standing out on this top stat line. What do you got?
1: Well, he's, he's gone up one physical defense if I'm not mistaken, Mm -hmm. Um, but he's lost that long move. And, uh, Uh, i I'm, i'm gonna miss that long move i i really enjoyed it quite a bit
0: yeah the the long move was a very important part of his kit i think we're gonna see why he lost that here in a second but that was a really important part of his original kit but i think getting the four physical defense is nice but we've seen a lot of four three four lately it feels like am i wrong
1: it it definitely feels like we've entered into a new phase of uh, of crisis protocol. Where generally speaking, everyone's getting a little bit of a a boost from where where the design space used to be. um But yeah, we we've seen a lot of the four three four. It's it seems to be coming a little bit more standard. Yeah, uh, for it, which, I mean, I don't mind, especially with some of the really big hitters that are out there. But for sure, it's uh, Yeah, at the same time, though, it is making some characters feel a little bit beefier than I would normally think of them, but. Yeah,
0: and I I like how Baron Zemo's physical defense is a four now, and it's representative of his master duelist, there's the the little wink wink for you, nature, and I, I like that they're representing that with a basic stat line here. And then also we'd be remiss if we don't mention that he's now four threat, which is kind of a big deal.
1: It's it's a big step up. I mean, a three threat Zima was very easy to slot into a lot of uh, a lot of rosters. A four threat one is it's a very competitive slot at this point, especially after this year.
0: Exactly. I mean, it's been the year of four threats. Year four of MCP has been the year of four threats. I wonder if year five is going to be the year of five threats.
1: oh jeez i don't know if i can handle that trend
0: yeah i don't think so and then by year seven it's just nothing but malekith comps (laughs) oh oh (laughs) (laughs) oh that'd be so terrible nobody got time for that nobody's got time for that all right so leland why don't you cover
1: his attacks uh for sure so uh we have his physical sword strike uh range two five dice for zero power It is your typical uh, builder, so it's going to be gaining power equal to damage dealt. It has a wild pierce, which will change a hit, crit, or wild result to a blank during the modify step. And it also has a wild crit dancing strike, where he can, uh, Zemo can advance after the, well, advance short after the attack is uh, resolved.
0: Yeah, and the pierce, it's not hit, crits, and wilds, it's crits, wilds, and shields.
1: Oh, yes, it's Wild and Shield. My my apologies, I misspoke on that.
0: Yeah, no worries. So a five dice physical range to attack with a wild pierce is pretty solid. Just ask X-23.
1: Yeah, I mean, X-23 always hits well above her weight, and that pierce is a big reason for it. Uh, So Zemo having it as well is, uh, it's going to get work done, uh, which is going to be really nice.
0: Exactly. And how do you feel about this dancing strike, which... I've got to, there's two things I need to say here. Way to go AMG for just the dancing Zemo meme. Like just, you just put it right on the card and tip of the cap. It's, it's, that's really sweet. And then the second thing is I like that this is a crit wild trigger. It's going to be kind of a hard one to get on five dice based on certain leaderships and whatnot that you put in here. But, I think this is really cool being able to advance short and move around and all that stuff. But I, I just, I got to say the meme is just it's chef's kiss.
1: Yeah, for sure. Like for, first off, how has nobody made a dancing Zemo model yet? Like that just, that just upsets me. I, I want dancing Zemo, <laughs> but uh, the, the dancing strike itself is, is a nice little touch. Like that is a good chunk of extra mobility. Um, it's on a, it's on a range to attack, so it does mean you have to be relatively close to use it, but it's gonna allow him to like sort of like sneak on to various points, which is gonna be really good. Or even just get away.
0: Yes. And one of the interesting things about this, so not that you necessarily see Venom splashed everywhere, but if you think about a character like Venom, okay, cool. He has his clapback the venom clapback we talk about it before many times it's a great thing so what you can do with this and if you want to visualize the range here and and again this is all trigger dependent it's dice so you can't rely on it but if you are able to hit it one you can get onto some objectives which i think is the best thing ever or if you have an extract you can then potentially keep it safe But the reason why I bring up Venom, if you're at max range two of Venom, so a range three is his clapback, right? So range three is two range two tools stacked on top of each other. So what you can do is be right at that range two. This short advance is longer than a range two distance, so you can get out of range of Venom clapback as an example, which I think is really cool.
1: Yeah. I mean, it, it's a very, it's a very narrow application for getting, uh, getting away from like the clapbacks. Cause there's only a handful of characters that can do that, True. but still it's going to come in clutch when you can do it.
0: Exactly. And, and that's the thing. It's, it's one of those things where that's obviously niche as hell and probably more cute than good, but it's one of those things where, When you're understanding the ranges in this game, especially for newer players, stuff like that, and how the short advance is longer than the range 2 tool, the short movement tool that is longer than the range 2 tool, keeping that in mind when you're hitting this, I think is going to be important. But as we're going to talk about here shortly, he does have a superpower that relates specifically to Sword Strike. So it's going to be interesting how I think this attack is applied.
1: Yeah, it's it it gives him a lot of positioning ability um, to and part of the pun so he can kind of dance around uh, his targets on this one. So I I think it's going to be one of those things that once you've once you've kind of grokked how to uh, how to make best use of it, you're going to see a lot of good, uh, good play from this particular attack
0: absolutely so what's his next attack leland
1: so next up and this one's my favorite actually it's uh, another physical attack it's adhesive x pistol it is a range four with five dice for zero power and it has, has a bevy of triggers here it's got a wild slow it's got a wild crit stun and then it's got a wild crit skull stagger Oof. and uh I, I am I am all for this. I am I'm gonna be living the uh, living the dream when I did get that off on a round one shot and just absolutely ruin someone's plan. I am looking forward to that so badly.
0: Oh, d- dude, this adhesive X pistol again, I really appreciate AMG's theming on this because if you don't know about the history of Baron Zemo Heinrich and Helmet Zemo and Adhesive X and all that stuff we can talk about that in a second so I love this bit of theming here additionally like Sword Strike so many triggers here and it's worth noting and I didn't mention this with Sword Strike with all of these triggers if you roll a single wild you're on the train to potentially get the rest of them, right? So with Sword Strike, you roll a single wild, you don't have to roll a second wild to get Dancing Strike. You just have to have a crit. With Adhesive X, a single wild gets you slow, which slow means that whenever you would advance, you have to use the slow movement tool. I'm going to come back to that in a second. You roll a wild and then a critical, So that same wild that you had for slow, and you have a crit, boom, now you're stunning someone. Which, Leland, what does stun do again?
1: So stun is whenever you would uh, gain power, uh, if you have the stun condition, you're only going to gain one of it. So it doesn't matter if if you'd be gaining like five power, six power, or one power, it's always going to be one when you're stunned. Exactly,
0: love it. So then the stagger condition, if you had rolled your stun... As long as you have a skull, which skull stinks because you're inherently losing out on some damage, but it's also amazing because now stagger is happening, which I love so much.
1: Oh, such such a good thing! Like that—that that is the way to make a a bad dice result work in favor of the attack. Uh, like we've seen other attacks where they have triggers that trigger off of like shield results or anything like that and those always kind of feel a little bad. This one is just that that stagger is just such a nice condition to be able to throw down on someone. So if you see a skull pop up as well as like the the rest of the triggers, you're you're going to be you're going to be pleased as punch. You're not going to care that you did less damage because you just took away an entire uh, an entire action.
0: Exactly. And that's what the stagger special condition does. And that's what I really want to want to focus in on here is how if you just roll one wild, then your success rate potentially just skyrockets for other things. Which I think is just super fun and really engaging in the dice rolls. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, for sure. Like, it's it's making, it's making this attack a very exciting one that you really want to see the results. And not just because you want to deal a whole bunch of damage, but because you want to see the fun stuff hit as well.
0: Exactly, exactly. And... It's also worth noting the range on this, Leland. What is it again? Range four. Yeah, so if you <laughs> move at medium, and you're you're able to hit the midline, easy peasy.
1: Like th- this is this is OG Modok Doomsday Chair level of shenanigans. Like it's. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I love it. I love it. I think this is a super fun attack. The fact that you don't gain any power of, off of it is what probably keeps him at four threat. Cause you start gaining power off of this and we're in big trouble.
1: <laughs> you know what? I don't, I don't even care if I fire this off and no damage goes through. If I get those three triggers, I've still won. Uh,
0: yes. Yes. This is big facts. And uh, that's a dragon that I think I want to chase just like you were talking about oh, yeah. earlier.
1: Yep. Definitely chasing that dragon.
0: Yeah. So I did mention slow real quick. I do want to come back to that real quick because there are situations where characters have superpowers that allow them to advance, as we're gonna see here. Spoiler alert on Mister Helmet Zemo. If a character has a superpower that allows them to advance, but they have the slow special condition, they still only can advance slow. It's a bit of a weird interaction that you don't see often, but like if you slow down uh, Ghost Rider, for instance, I almost said his his cosmic flaming friend but no original johnny blaze Ghost Rider. if you put the slow special condition on him his long advance that he gets to do hell on wheels it becomes a short advance which just mm, i love it so
1: much oh yeah yeah you can definitely mess with some action economy in this regard
0: exactly so leland we have another attack on baron helmet zemo what is this one
1: so we have our last attack on him, which is coup de gras. So it's a physical attack, range three, seven dice for three power. After this attack is resolved, if the target character was dazed or KO'd by this attack, this character may advance short. So we got ourselves a little bit more movement shenanigans going on here. I love it. Are you sure it's not pronounced coup de grace? <laughs> and coupe de Grace uh, for for you for you non French speaking uh, leadites down there. I'm, I'm mixing a whole bunch of metaphors on that one. I, you aren't down there. You like your technology. <laughs>
0: that's it. That's it. <laughs> no, I love this attack. Coup de grâce. It's it feels right on par here. You know, three power feels very achievable by this character. Seven dice, mm, the sweet spot. Oh, it's that's like the little little sprinkles on your ice cream, man. I love it.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's... I mean, the amount of times I've been dummied by a seven-dice attack, it's it's insane, and it's, it's great. It is. It is.
0: And this is range three. So you're able to roll at range three, and then if it goes well, you get a short advance out of it. Like, it, this is one where... Like, I like the design here. It's called coup de grace. It's for attacking characters that already maybe have a little bit of damage on them already, I just I think it's really fun.
1: It's I I think the the name of the game with his attacks is that there's a lot of interesting ways to change the board state. Um either through him moving or by applying a bunch of conditions. It's not as flashy as some other attacks that we see uh for the for the spend in the spender area, but it is still one that, you know, again, it's potentially putting you on a point, it's potentially taking you out of danger. Or maybe put, maybe even putting you within range of some support tactics cards. Like, there's a lot that that move can do for you.
0: Exactly, exactly. So, yeah, that's his attack suite. And I gotta say, overall, while different than the original Baron Zemo, I'm impressed w- with this attack suite. Especially that Adhesive X pistol. I think you're going to be seeing that quite a lot.
1: I think the Adhesive X pistol might actually be his bread and butter. I I think we see that more than a lot of other attacks. It's got the range, which is great. It allows him to kind of hang back and be a little bit of a menace while protecting like a back point or something. And yeah, just, just the ability to maybe throw those conditions down and just disrupt somebody's entire plan.
0: Yes, exactly. And I think that that range, like you mentioned, hanging back and stuff. So one of the problems, quote unquote, with the original Zemo was that he wanted to be close in more or less. Like you could do a steel rush at range 3. But his sword strike was range 2. He had the charge, you know, counter strike, all that stuff. But he wanted to be around his friends for the strategic genius. And and again, everything was kind of closer in more or less. Like you would rather use master swordsman than steel rush a lot of the times. Or, or charge or whatever. But now with adhesive X and spoiler alert. Baron Helmut Zemo is still a strategic genius here so being able to hang back around the friends being able to be quote-unquote safer and use that adhesive x and stack other people up with your strategic genius bubble I think is what you're going to see a lot of with this character
1: yeah, he's definitely fitting the role of kind of like a skirmisher support type character and which he always was even in his original form as well. Uh this just feels like it's ramping it up uh up to 11.
0: Yes, absolutely. So, speaking of ramping things up to 11, Leland, we have a brand new leadership for Marvel Crisis Protocol on this character. It is Army of Evil, which It should have been called Masters of Evil, if I'm being honest, but that's, you know what, we take our wins where we can get them, and everything else has been so good so far. It's for the Hydra affiliation, so we at least know he's affiliated Hydra. (laughs) But the army of evil here, this is a bit of a complicated leadership, and we're going to break this down once I read this, because I think there's a lot of nuance within this leadership. So here we go. When this leadership becomes active add one hydra or unaffiliated team tactic card from your unused team tactics cards to your available team tactics cards it may be played this game just right there i want to break this down what that means is once you have deployed is when you get to choose your leader So at that point, you can say, I'm choosing Army of Evil, Baron Zemo is my leader, and now one of the 10 tactics cards that you brought in your roster, so you brought five to the match, you get to add a sixth tactics card to your available hand for that match, which I think is wonderful. There's more to break down with this, but just that right there, I think is super great what do you think leland
1: i i think it gives you a lot of flexibility with how you approach your your squad building uh you can actually start leaving some of your restricteds uh at like not at home but in the roster uh and once you see what they're playing you can make a better informed choice like if somebody comes at you with somebody with a team that could potentially do a lot of throws but you're not entirely sure that they're going that route. You know, maybe you just leave brace there and the second you see if they do a lot of throws, okay, brace comes in or, you know, maybe you see a lot of things where maybe patch up was the way to go or, you know, even just something simple as, uh, you know, you maybe, maybe something like eyes on the prize. Like there's just so many things you can do by getting that extra tactic card. Right. Right. Again, it just, it gives you that flexibility. Um, and it just gives you that extra resource that you can, that you can tinker around with. And that can go a long way.
0: It really can. I mean, I've had my fair share of games where I'm like, man, if I just had that one tactics card, whatever it is, if I just had that one, like, man, this could, could really turn the tide here. And MCP has moved away from a lot of more generic style tactics cards. however, there's still a fair bit of them out there and there's some that I think as a sixth card in your hand can make a lot of sense and we can maybe talk about some of that a little bit later but I think that there's opening up new strategic possibilities with this of things that you wouldn't have necessarily thought of originally that now you're able to say, here,
1: I'm I'm using this now. And- oh, oh also note that it's Hydra and unaffiliated it doesn't actually say that it can't be character specific exactly so you, so you have that you have that as well that you can sort of bring to the party
0: right I love that it has that unaffiliated option in there because it just opens up so many options it just really opens up a lot and and I'm excited for it so the second part of this leadership though says additionally once each turn, After one or more allied characters pay power to play a team tactic card, choose one of the characters that paid power to play the card. The chosen character gains one power. So basically you get a little bit of a refund whenever you pay for a team tactics card. Now, the interesting thing here is you have to have paid power. So some tactics cards are free. Uh, there's not a ton, but there are some that don't cost you anything. So as long as you paid power, you can get a power back, which I think is kind of nice.
1: It's uh, we're gonna see this with R and D a lot. Yes. <laughs> like, just pay the power, get the power back, and all of a sudden you've just you know got a net gain, right? Mm-hmm. Dude. So
0: with advanced R and D, that is that is definitely gonna be a thing. So Leland. This leadership, I feel like when you first read it, you're like, okay, cool. It's not going to necessarily help me out on a turn-by-turn, moment-by-moment basis, per se. But I do think that there's a lot to like here about it. Just being able to have that Team Tactics card once a game, very powerful effect, I think that really could add up.
1: I I'm undecided on if I think this leadership is more cute than useful to be honest. I do really like that extra that extra card that you can bring in uh and I do like getting that that power refund whenever you whenever you spend power to play a card. But it's at the same time it feels very limited on its return because you're only ever going to get at most 6 power out of it, which yeah, it's okay, but there's leaderships that grant so much more power over the course of the game. Um, so you really need to make sure that that card you bring in is going to be very impactful in the game if you choose the wrong card and you know maybe maybe it just doesn't matter at that point. So it's it's gonna require a lot of uh, forethought, I think for this leadership to really be a menace on the table.
0: I do think that forethought is a really good way to describe how this leadership's going to, be played on the tabletop in the, okay, cool, like you mentioned earlier, I'm going to wait and see if I'm going to be pushed around by Web Warriors. So, okay, cool. Now I can bring in Indomitable. I didn't have to bring it at first, but now I can. Awesome. That's great. But I think that there's some interesting play with Hydra specifically, because let's look at a card like Two More Shall Rise. And I think that this is where things get fairly spicy with this leadership so two more shall rise is a hydra affiliated card it is reactive when an allied hydra character with an active leadership ability is ko'd another allied character may play this card has no power cost you just have to have an active hydra leadership ko choose two allied characters with hydra or Cabal leaderships. Both chosen characters' leadership abilities become active. This is an importantly worded thing, I think, as it relates to Baron Zemo, because let's say you're starting out with Strucker, and you go in through the game, and all of a sudden, now, Strucker is KO'd. You can choose Baron Zemo, Helmet Zemo, to... Gain a leadership and now you're pulling a card out. And let's say you're pulling a card that is, maybe it's inevitable betrayal. I don't know. Like maybe that's a card that you're going to pull out. Maybe you're pulling out a card like Brace for Impact at that point in the game. Maybe you're pulling out a card like, let's let's scroll down here through the list, something like maybe Sucker. Which is an old card, but it's one that I think in a situation like this could potentially have some play. And for those of you that might not know what Sucker is, and again, this is obviously if you're at a later point in the game. You can say, I'm going to pull out Sucker. Okay, cool. What does that do? It's an unaffiliated active card. When two allied characters are within range three of the same injured enemy character, they may both spend any amount of power to play this card. The enemy character loses power equal to the total amount spent. So why am I bringing that card up? Well, if you maybe are at the start of a round or something like that and a character was dazed and they're gonna wake up with a bunch of power, well now you can siphon some of your power off to then limit their clapback opportunity. That's a bit of a niche, nuanced thing, I get that. But I'm using it as an example of the kind of interesting things that you can do with this leadership. And and I don't know, Leland, how do you feel about that?
1: It definitely creates some interesting options when you're building your roster. Uh it's gonna it's gonna breathe some new life into some cards that might not get played all that often. Uh, I think, which is gonna be really interesting. I, I I do like it. I think I think if you Kind of figure out how to craft your squad and roster around this, and knowing which ten cards to take, and you know, pulling pulling in a card mid game that can just completely disrupt the uh, the game plan of the other person is it, it can be huge. It, it can be a really big one, and it can also be very reactive. Like you can you can see where the game board is at, and actually decide well, you know what this uh, it just makes sense that. You know, we, we pull this in, like maybe you happen to get a really good adhesive gun off on them at some point as well. So you, you toss and kick them while they're down mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, you just start, you just start rerolling dice against, uh, someone with a bunch of conditions, Um or, you know, maybe, maybe something is uh, going awry and that maybe mission objective is a card that you didn't initially bring, but now, Hey, it looks like it might be useful. So there's, it's really cool. Or even you're getting desperate and you throw in no matter the cost. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so like there's there's a lot that you can there's a lot you can do with it. And it's it's got a high skill ceiling uh, to use well, Um, but it's definitely kind of a fun card uh, regardless.
0: It is. It is. And there's another card that I want to highlight here for why things could be fairly interesting. Actually, probably two. But we're gonna start with one. Another one is versatile strategy. And Leland, I know. Myself, I have tried to use a versatile strategy, strategy? It's, I'm saying strategy too many times at this point. It's There's too much strategy involved in this talk of strategery. So anyways, <laughs> I've tried to make versatile strategy like be a thing in just my casual games and whatnot. And at times in a competitive environment, I've thought, oh, well, there's opportunities for versatile strategy to be a thing and I know our friend Merzane has played versatile strategy with Avengers to moderate success. So what does versatile strategy do? Unaffiliated active card. An allied character with an active leadership ability may play this card. Now it's important to note they can't be dazed. They have to be awake and alive to play versatile strategy. You may choose a non-active leadership ability of an allied character in your squad that corresponds to your squad affiliation. The chosen leadership ability is now active. Instead of the current leadership ability, all effects of the original leadership ability expire. So I could see a scenario, Leland, where maybe somebody starts off as a Red Skull Master of Hydra and they're maybe gaining that extra power from contesting objectives or holding objectives. And then maybe round two or round three, they say, okay, cool. I've gotten everything I'm going to get from world domination, which is the name of his leadership. I'm going to switch over to Baron Helmut Zemo now. And boom, yes, I'm burning a tactics card that wasn't doing anything, but now I'm getting another tactics card and bringing in that flexibility element I could see that being the more likely way this leadership plays than the previous one.
1: Well, the results of the discussion that uh, that our our friend Will from the Parkour park Protocol was having were: you start off with Zemo, you uh, two shall rise, and then you versatile strategy back into Zemo <laughs> and get the get two extra cards throughout the course of the game.
0: Yeah, so- that could be pretty, pretty wild. <laughs> but either way, I think this is one of those leaderships that. You're not going to see it all the time. But when you do see it active, I think it it's going to be a notable and memorable moment. And I think that that's one of the things that's a core tenet of Marvel Crisis Protocol.
1: Now, I, I do want to call out one other card with this one, um, and that's Sleeper Agent. Oh. And the reason I want to call this one out is because because I'm sure people are already thinking, you know, maybe Sleeper Agent could be a fun one to bring in halfway through the game. Unfortunately, Sleeper Agent won't work with this card because there, there is the there is the caveat that when the chosen character is deployed that they gain the subterfuge power from Sleeper Agent. So I just figured it'd be a bit of a wet blanket and just kibosh that one right away.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I, I think that's a really important note. It won't work for things that happen before anything else happens, I guess, is, is the way to kind of look at that. And then the other one that i will 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 highlight here is no try this one from gwenpool it's an unaffiliated reactive card during the cleanup phase gwenpool may play this card choose an unused team tactic card from your roster that meets the squad affiliation requirements of your squad at squad creation add the chosen card to your available team tactic cards Maybe played this game. This is a more cute than good.
1: (laughs) What? Let's just use eight of our tactics cards. (laughs) I mean, seriously, like you
0: could really get into the down and dirty nitty gritty here. I think that's again, I I will say that's a more cute than good situation, but it's also something that seems super fun to be like, okay, cool. I'm going to activate Z. I'm going to have Zemo as my leader. I'm going to bring. These five cards. I'm gonna bring. No, try this one. Here's Gwenpool. Oh, cool. I'm gonna bring in another tax card. Oh, cool. I'm gonna like versatile strategy or something, and and then just keep shenaniganizing. You know, I could see that being super fun.
1: Oh yeah, and somebody's definitely gonna try it, and oh, yeah. I I'm all for it. I I want to see it happen. I think it would just be good fun.
0: Exactly. So let's power through these last couple superpowers because I think these are gonna be pretty quick here. And then we can move on to our next character, because that's right, we've got another one. So, first up, we have an active superpower called Quick Step. It's going to cost you two power if this character is not holding an objective token. It advances medium. This superpower can be used only once per turn. So, two things, Leland. One, I love this superpower, advancing medium. It functions like a charge. You just don't have the must make an attack caveat. So I like that. Second thing, I hate that I can't do this while holding an objective, but it makes sense.
1: I I got used to this during my time trying to use uh, Steve Rogers, Captain America, Steve Rogers. It's it's annoying, but it is still extra movement, which is always useful. Um, and as you said, it, it's, it's effectively a charge with a little bit more restriction, uh, added onto it by, you know, saying if you have the, if you have a, a, an objective, so you can't use this if you have a hammer to get into better position, for instance. Yeah. Um, which might be for the best in, in some circumstances, but still like an extra medium advance for two power is nothing to ignore.
0: It is not. And I think that it really in. Makes Baron Helmut Zemo's play pattern very interesting in that, okay, cool, turn one, do I go and snag an objective with him and then Adhesive X somebody, or do I hold and try to quick step down the line and then maybe start messing with objectives? I think it really sets him up more of you're going to be playing the secure game with him as opposed to the extract game, which I think is kind of interesting.
1: I also think it plays very well into the next superpower that we're going to discuss for him as well.
0: Exactly, which is an innate superpower called Master Duelist. If this character makes a sword strike attack against a character it has already made an attack against this turn, add two dice to the attack roll. So, Leland, if you're doing the math, that means sword strike goes from five to seven dice With a wild pierce and a crit wild dancing strike opportunity. I'm super here for it.
1: Oh yeah. And on seven dice, getting those triggers off is, it just, your odds are just so much better. Yeah. Like it, yeah, it's, and Zemo, like a five dice attack can already hit hard. Like a five dice with a pierce can already be deceptively strong. Adding in those two extra uh, uh, chances for success can just make it all the more uh, debilitating.
0: I completely agree, and I think it's worth noting here that you can potentially set yourself up to sword strike, sword strike, then quick step away onto a secure objective. And thinking about the ways to use his position and to maximize... Your mobility with this character, I think, is going to be really important.
1: Yeah, he's he's very mobile. If you're getting the triggers off on things, and he and I've said it earlier, he has ways of just affecting the board state that you know are are going to be very impactful if you know what you're doing.
0: Exactly. And then, the lastly, he has strategic genius. We've seen this before. This character and allied characters within range two of it may re-roll one die in their attack or defense roles. So, love it, super great. And yeah, overall Baron Helmet Zemo, I'm super here for it.
1: I I dig him. I dig him a lot. I I I was a, initially a little down on him when I first looked at his card, but it has very much grown on me and just as a as a sort of like a, a support for threat character, uh, I think he's going to be able to get a lot of work done and he's really going to be able to harass some of the more vulnerable characters on the board as well
0: completely agree i I think he's going to be a very interesting character his four threat i think he pays it off if i'm being honest
1: i think he does i i don't think he's a flashy four threat but i think he's a very he's a very middle of the road well-designed four threat
0: yeah yeah and and that leadership i'm excited to see where the community goes with it the last thing i want to talk about with this character is that He has a tactics card that he comes with in the core set. I am a baron, after all. It is unaffiliated and active. Helmet Zemo, so either version, may play this card during his activation. He gains one of the following effects. During the next attack made by this character, this activation, during the modified die step of the attack, Helmet Zemo may re-roll a number of his attack dice equal to the round number. Helmet Zemo gains power equal to the round number. And again, this is bullet points here, so he gets to pick one of these. And then lastly, Helmet Zemo removes damage equal to the round number. All three of those seem super useful. This card does not cost any power. It is unaffiliated, so if you're playing with his leadership, you can bring this in when it makes the most sense. All of it. I'm super here for it.
1: I, I think it's a great card uh, it's like it's it's a patch up on uh, on a stick if you need it. it's you know getting getting uh, all the rerolls on a whole bunch of dice depending on how what round it is like it's it's really cool and it gives you that a nice mid to late game uh, card that can possibly turn the tides for you
0: exactly and and like the healing aspect of it I think is really great. like round three you're sitting there maybe he's taken two or three damage. So you can like, okay, cool, I'm going to heal up my Baron Zemo and keep him safe. And it's also worth noting here, we don't know what other affiliations that Baron Helmut Zemo is in, but I think it's safe to assume that he's still going to be Cabal. So being able to stack this with a Dark Reign could be a really interesting and fun thing. So yeah, I'm excited.
1: Yeah, no, I, I think I think it's a great card. I think it's going to be a lot of fun, and uh, I know I know Troop is already going to probably throw it at me a, a ton of times, even with original Zemo.
0: Nice. I'm excited to see how that goes. So, Leland, give me one affiliation that you think Baron Helmet Zemo is going to live
1: in. Oh, so outside of the assumed Cabal and Hydra, um, I can actually see some really interesting play for him in Kingpin Criminal Syndicate. Oh, yeah. With how fast he can. Yeah, with how fast he can move around, he can he can deceptively steal a secure objective from you. Yeah.
0: He really could. I think he'd he'd be pretty spicy there. That's a really good one. For me, I think he's got he's got two that I think are exciting for him. One is one where I don't think he needs to be there and that I think Guardians of the Galaxy could be really good for him and being able to like hang out with Star-Lord and give him extra rerolls so that you don't have to put a winging it token on Star-Lord at times and with that mobility, being able to kind of get around and do that kind of stuff could be pretty cool. But let's talk about his true home, the place where he really, really, really wants to live. And that's in, and I think this is going to apply to pretty much any character as we go forward, but the Captain America First Avenger, Earth Mightiest Heroes Avengers leadership, is just, uh, he wants to be in that all the time.
1: Everyone loves that leadership uh yes, <laughs> like let's just
0: go ahead and say i I don't know, I probably will say this every episode. every single character in this game that has any kind of a trigger on any of their attacks is going to be like, yeah, I'm gonna be in that leadership
1: yep so no, there's there's no reason not to it's just it's just extra successes and consistency
0: exactly if you roll a hit, not a wild, but a hit. Like, yeah, OK, so that's where he's going to live. So any other final thoughts on Baron Zemo, Helmet Zemo, before we move on?
1: uh, No, I, I think we pretty much said it all. I, I dig the character. I think he's he's going to be a great fourth threat character. He's going to be a great support piece. He's not lighting the world on fire, but I don't think he needs to.
0: Yeah, completely agree. So, Suits, this is going to be an extra chonky episode. So just go ahead and strap in. But before we move on to our next character that we're going to talk about here, I do want to go ahead and, and do the do the whole thing with the stuff. So if you're interested, you can check out patreon.com/slash house party protocol for as little as a dollar a month or twelve bucks a year. You can come and hang out in the best Discord on the internet, bar none. I know AMG just made their Discord; it pales in comparison to the HPP Discord, in my humble opinion, don't get me wrong. I love what AMG's doing over there. But uh yeah, it's it's a wonderful place. It's a really great time. It's there's always kindness and great discussions going on about not just Marvel Crisis Protocol, about all kinds of stuff. So come and check that out. You're you're gonna love it. If uh, you're interested in supporting the show in that way. If not, if you have the opportunity please leave a review on whatever podcast platform you're on. I would really appreciate that. It helps other people looking for Marvel Crisis Protocol content find their way to this podcast. And then the other thing I want to say here is if you see a post that I make on Facebook or wherever, if you click the like button on that, it really helps the algorithm for whatever reason. Like, you know, all hail the algorithm gods. You know, Ultron's over there taking over, I guess. But, uh... It really helps out and I really appreciate that. And then I love the comments and interactions we have over there on all the different social medias. So thank you so much for all of that. Last thing here, finally, finally new merch will be going up at the end of this month. So just in time for the new core set to come out. Leland, I've already told you about one of the designs. I don't want to spoil it too much because I think it's kind of awesome and funny and a little meme-y, which is... Totally on brand. What do you think, Leland?
1: I mean, from what you've told me, I'm I'm digging it. I'm looking forward to seeing the, uh, seeing the proof of concepts hit.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I'm excited for that. And if you want to be on the ground floor of what that's going to look like, check out the Patreon to get access to that Discord, like I said. So with that, Leland, let's now talk about our next master of evil here, or the master of the world, and that is Red Skull, master of the world. He's, he's not just of evil. He's of the world.
1: He's, he's moving up.
0: Moving on up. <laughs> yeah. So first thing we're going to do, talk about this model. It is different than the original core box, much more interesting than the original core box model, but very similar. And... I'm okay with it. I like it. It's a much more iconic like look for Red Skull in my humble opinion.
1: I think yeah, the the whole the whole thing just kind of speaks to uh Red Skull's character, I think. Um you know, he's got that he's got that fantastic uh, fantastic pose holding up the cube. Uh very with the like the uh, the coat flowing behind him. It's very um I don't want to go as far as to say dynamic, but it gives that nice sense of flow to it. there's a there's a very clear uh, sight line that you want to follow with it. the cube definitely draws attention. so does you know that that big old red noggin of his. Uh, <laughs> yeah. The only thing I don't like about it is that and this is always kind of my complaint with any models that are predominantly black is I feel like the without without knowing what you're doing with the painting, I feel like it's gonna be very easy for a lot of the details on the model to get lost. Yeah, uh, which does kind of upset me a little bit. There's not a lot of a lot of to differentiate uh, between like the black jacket, the black undershirt, the pants, the boots, whatever. So you gotta you gotta really have a good idea on how you want to highlight all that. Uh, but otherwise, the models, you know, it's it's a good pose for Red Skull.
0: Yeah, I like it. I think if I were to paint this model, I would do like that olive green color that I've seen some people do. I, I really like that. I think that could be really cool. Or or again that brown I mentioned earlier like incorporating that somewhere in here could be
1: pretty nice. For sure. Any way to get a little bit of extra color onto him.
0: Yep, yep. So, Leland, let's talk about Red Skull, Master of the World. Of course, he has an alter ego of Johann Schmidt, and of course, this card art is 10 times better than the original. But top stat line here, four physical defense, three energy defense, and three mystic defense. That, that's a little shocking to me. He's got six stamina. He has threat value four, size two. He moves medium. Nothing changes on his injured side. He's exactly the same as far as I can tell anyways. So Leland, top stat line here. I mean, it's, it's exactly the same as the original version, right?
1: Yeah, yeah it I, is. like unless I'm missing something, yeah, it, it is, and I I'm a little disappointed that the Mystic isn't isn't a higher defense same. on him. Um, I think that's the only thing I would have liked to change. I always felt it was a little low on him at the first uh, the first go around as well. Uh, but I mean that that's just it, it is what it is, right?
0: Yeah. I mean he's the same character, so I guess it makes a little bit of sense here. But I mean, yeah, I'm. This is this is gonna be this will be fun. So Leland, talk about his attacks.
1: Sure. So his first attack is an energy attack called Cosmic Burst. It is range four, five dice for zero power. Before choosing a target, you can actually decide if you want it to be a mystic attack or an energy attack. So always love that. That's always a great ability. Uh, it is your typical builder, so it's going to gain power equal to damage dealt. Uh, and then it has a wild shock. So uh, basically you, you get that shock condition on somebody and they're going to roll one less attack die whenever they're they're coming back at you. So just a really solid utility uh, utility attack here.
0: Yeah, I kind of love this attack for a couple of reasons. Range four, five dice, excellent. Energy or mystic. So being able to choose which of those you want and energy is at this point by far the lowest represented defense in the game so being able to choose which of those is good but like i think this is really fun in that if you have the a red skull off you know what i mean like which also i have to I have to mention this i've been referring to the hydra version of red skull as master skull the five threat version because he was the master of hydra and then we've got this red skull who's master of the world but I still want to call the other one Master Skull. So what do I call this one? Is this Skull World?
1: Oh, I I don't know.
0: I mean, I can't call him Master Skull. Is he Red Master?
1: Ooh, World
0: Master? World Master. Interesting. Yeah, I don't know. Beast
1: Master, but for Worlds.
0: (laughs) I don't know. But one of the things I think this is interesting with this attack is that if you're going up against... The master of Hydra version of Red Skull. Well, what type of defense is he in? Okay, cool. I'm gonna choose the one that is only two. Yeah,
1: <laughs> he just—he seems purpose built to just beat up on himself. Yeah,
0: yeah. This is alternate timeline here, and uh, yeah, he's beating up on his old old version. I guess yes. We're gonna go with that. But this is a great attack. I think this is just net good with the wild shot condition. Is is just wonderful.
1: Yeah, and it also bypasses some of those uh, some of those annoying abilities uh, where you know maybe you can add extra defensive uh, capabilities against physical or energy or something like that. It's so like okay, well I'm just gonna throw a mystic at you then instead, and you know just call it a day.
0: Exactly, I love that. So what's the next one?
1: So the next one is the Mystic Attack. Reality bows to me. Wait, wait, you got, you've got to
0: you, you've got to give it the you've got to give it the sauce, Leland.
1: The the sauce, eh? Yeah, put the sauce on it. Let's see here. Reality bows to me. (laughs) Perfect. Uh, (laughs) Which is a range four, seven dice attack for four power. And it has uh, a crit wild hit uh, trigger, reality rupture. After this attack is resolved, this character may make an additional reality bows to me attack without paying the power cost. However, it has to target another character within range 2 of the original target that has not been targeted by reality bows to me this round. So there's a couple of caveats on it, but the ability to potentially get a free 7 dice attack uh into into someone is just just lovely. I'm
0: I want yes. I'm 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 a little taken aback for a second because there's some interesting things at play in this attack, Leland, that I don't know if everyone's picked up on yet. So, yes, this is a hard trigger to meet, I think, on seven dice. Three different triggers. I love that it's range four. I love that it's mystic. It costs four power, which is a lot. I think the reason that this costs four power is one, your range, shooting from that far away is is huge, And then it's also worth noting, the additional attack must target a character within range 2 of the original target character. So, you still have to be within range 4 to target said character. That is very important to note. This is not something like a shield throw that it's regardless of range and line of sight, the ricochet. You still, it's like a doomsday chair. So, with doomsday chair on the original MODOK, if you got the additional attack, you had to be within range two of that original character, right? But the way this is worded, Leland, has not been targeted by Reality Bows to me this round. So you're only going to get to do this probably a couple of times, but you can, if your opponent's clumped up, potentially hit multiple, multiple people with this. Like this, a lot of yeah. attacks we see like this, they say the additional attack doesn't have the rule of whatever. This one does not. So, much like Dormammu with his incantation of obliteration and dark miasma and all that nonsense, this attack can jump from character to character to character basically once per round.
1: Um, I'm also looking at this right now. Uh, let's see it does it actually uh say you can uh the additional reality vows to me it doesn't have the uh it doesn't have the caveat that it won't trigger reality rupture that's what I'm saying that's what I'm saying leo oh my goodness that's what I'm trying to explain oh my goodness okay I I just thought you were talking about like doing two instances of reality rupture and getting four people no you're absolutely right you can daisy chain oh my goodness goodness
0: the the only thing you have you have to the caveat is that you can't have targeted the same character at any point during the chain for an entire round
1: but still if you're hitting two or three characters with this do you really care at that point not even a little bit oh my goodness i had not realized that that is crazy
0: yeah like for four power you'll chase that dragon
1: oh, oh my, I love it. That that just became so much more interesting to me. I totally missed that it didn't have that uh, that restriction.
0: Yeah, yeah. And I think that that is what makes this, one, a difficult, but not out of the realm of possibilities trigger to achieve. And then two, that's why it has the this round thing where you're only going to be able to get the jumps once per round basically it, it obviously if your team is spread out and you're attacking different characters that are spread out and all that different stuff whatever but it's functionally you're going to get the the one opportunity to just blast and in the right scenarios this is going to be awesome
1: it's uh, yeah on on E and C maps you're you're going to have a lot of fun with this one
0: Exactly. And what's interesting is like I, I mentioned Dormammu, like man, Dormammu wishes that Incantation of Obliteration and the Dark Miasma. He wishes his trigger was this easy to hit. Comparatively. No
1: kidding. Oh. Wow. That is that is phenomenal. Yeah. You're you're gonna you're gonna want to always have like uh, Zemo next to this guy as well, just so you can always like re-roll to try and get that trigger.
0: Yeah, yeah. And And I think this is niche, like, don't get me wrong, like, I don't think you're going to be rattling this off all the time, but having this in your hip pocket for when your opponent inevitably clumps up at some point with at least one other character, I mean, it's, it's good. And you, as the opponent going against this, needs to understand that this can happen.
1: I honestly, I don't think it's going to be as niche as we make it sound like on seven dice. You're you're usually getting a hit result. Wild results on seven dice. You're almost always getting at least one wild on there. And it's not outside the realm of possibility to get that crit, especially um, and burying the lead here, especially with that uh, that leadership that's coming up.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And so. Yeah, I think I think we might. uh we might see reality bows to me quite a bit, and on a four-threat character, being able... the Again, I want to just be very clear here. The only other time we've seen this in a game is on an eight-threat character. Like...
1: Yeah, just with Dormammu, and I believe the, the trigger's a little bit harder to hit with him, isn't it?
0: Yeah, it's crit, wild, shield, skull, I think, on Dormammu. So... I know there's a shield in there, but he's got, he's got Dormammu has one extra die and no modification. Whereas as we're going to, we buried the lead again, leadership has some interesting things here, but I'm just, I think that this is something that really turns this character up. And if you can get that power on him through a cosmic burst, threatening a reality bows to me. On a gamma or something is oh my god this is gonna be so dope it's gonna be so dope
1: and if you can if you can get some hammers on him just to throw some extra dice in the process
0: oh yeah and and again we've already mentioned it and this is something that I would normally say for the end put him under Steve first Avenger and and cool it's gonna cost you five power but five power for two maybe three seven dice attacks i mean you
1: can definitely get a lot of return
0: yeah yeah and and, i mean four power seems cheap when you think about it in those terms for what this attack is going to cost
1: oh yeah no and and especially with another superpower we're going to discuss
0: exactly so leland let's let's take a step back for a second do you feel like that this is a really good attack suite because i know i do
1: Oh, yeah. No, it's, I thought it was a good attack before I realized that there was no caveat on only being able to do that trigger once. And now that, uh, now that you've pointed out you can do that multiple triggers, uh, that trigger multiple times, it's all the better.
0: Yeah. And, and that's the thing I think people were missing and why I kind of got a little hyped for a second there. It was like the the wording that Reality Rupture can trigger every single time you roll that seven
1: dice. It It's just, mm. Mm. just mm. it 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 pays to pay attention to the card it really (laughs) does like how i wonder how many people just kind of read it and assumed it had that caveat of you know once per once per turn right
0: yeah exactly exactly so i'm excited to see i'm that is a dragon i will chase my friend Now, now now here's
1: here's my question if you get the red skull master of the world mirror match and somebody oh well no no actually it doesn't matter i'm i'm just talking on my rear end here let's, right. let's, let's continue
0: we'll continue after we take a short break from Leland's rear end <laughs> <laughs> all right so sponsored by sponsored by smelly farts <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh we're off the rails so we have yep. a leadership ability here because of course we do he wouldn't be the master of a world if he didn't have a leadership my cabal is only for the strong It is the Cabal affiliation, obviously. Once per turn, while a non-grunt allied character is rolling dice as part of an attack roll, it may treat one failure, so one skull result, as a critical result. If it does, after the attack is resolved, the attacking character loses one power. If it does not have power to lose, it suffers one damage Instead,
1: Leland. I hey, I love it. I love it. It's it's reality stone on a stick for attacks. Uh, it is incredibly easy to make use of this ability, especially early in the game when taking one damage. Meh, whatever. Uh, or losing that one power. Meh, again, whatever. Uh, but the ability to get that that crit result and roll an extra die, it's great.
0: This leadership is excellent it is excellent so i spent 30 minutes with these new characters at gen con i played the cabal side my opponent played the avenger side as good as first avenger captain america his leadership is this one is better i think ultimately like because just f- basically for free adding a die versus picking an extra result I just, I love this so much. And so, I think there's a lot that goes into this. Treating a skull as a crit, it's like you said, it's reality stone, right? So, so let's say you roll a crit and you have a skull on your five dice cosmic burst using red skull as an example. Well, now you have two crits instead of one. That's two extra dice you're adding to the pool to throw in here. All of this I just think this is, I think this is great. And you mentioned on turn one, suffering a damage. Well, if you don't interact with an objective off the rip, let's say you try to position yourself where you can interact with an objective and you do a builder or a gainer. You say, okay, cool, I'm going to attack you. Now I'm potentially throwing another critical in there potentially gaining myself more power sure i lose the power that i started with in the power phase but now i'm gaining three more and now i can interact with that objective
1: excellent yeah for sure it's it's got a lot of versatility i don't know if i agree that it's better than new steves uh, because let's be honest like a skull result is still a one in eight chance on any one of your dice Uh, and you might not roll you might not roll into a positive result uh, on that crit as well so it it is really nice to make sure you can just say, well, I'm going to pay one or take one damage and make sure I get another result, uh, another success. If you get that skull, I do think Steve's is still better because it it gives you a level of consistency. The, getting that hit result is just so much more generally easy to get uh, That's than fair. the skull. Um, but again, this is this is by no means a bad leadership. I mean, we we see what Corvus can do with the Reality Stone, or Thanos can do with the Reality Stone. So we know that this particular ability is a very very powerful ability.
0: This is this is really powerful. That I think is going to turn up characters pretty hard. Like, <clears throat> I think a character like a Ulick is going to love this.
1: Oh yeah, you're you're going to get so much return on, on those large dice pools whenever you get the chance to do it. It's, yep. it's going to get a little oppressive at times.
0: Yep. And it's worth noting, this is after the attack is resolved that you have to lose the power or suffer the damage. So if you have a character that gains power or let's say they had no power and they, they treat the failure as a critical and they're using a gainer or a builder, well you can gain that power first and then choose to lose it. And you have to lose a power because it's the attacking character loses one power. You don't get to choose if you would take a damage instead. But for a character like Rhino under this leadership, I think is very interesting because now you can say, all right, cool. I'm going to, I don't have any power I used a stampede or I threw something, I'm out of power. So maybe I don't gain any power and you could potentially get an ornery to then get an additional power off of that if you took a damage, which I think is pretty cool.
1: Yeah, there's there's definitely some nice interactions, uh, even looking at anyone who has healing factor. Oh, uh, on yeah. it as well like if they just totally whiff or something like that they take a damage yeah what do they care they they basically just got a free a free reality stone right
0: yep or juggernaut nice punch you can just spend a power to say cool i'm not gonna suffer any damage
1: yep i mean that starts getting a little expensive but yeah for sure there's lots of yeah. really good uh interactions with this one
0: there is so i love this this leadership so now we've got a superpowers here Reshape the world is an active superpower. It's going to cost you three power. Choose an interactive terrain feature of size three or less and within range three, and throw it medium. The superpower can be used only once per turn. Man, what a great throw!
1: Oh, that that range three is is so big it on is. that one. Like just being able to pick something like that's basically a twelve-inch bubble that you're you're looking at for that and. I mean, when you're playing on a three-by-three board, that is a lot of table space that you now have access to to throw stuff around.
0: Yes. Yes, it is. I love it so much. So with Reshape the World, real quick before we move on, with your throw, you measure from the character doing the throw in this instance since it's a terrain feature, which I really like. Just wanted to make sure we, we talk about that real quick. So on a small base, not as much range as other characters, but still a great throw. The next superpower is another active one. Nothing is beyond my reach. It's going to cost you four power, Leland. Choose this character or another character within range two of it and place it within range three of its current position. This superpower can be used only once per turn. Leland,
1: is, did, did you... It's a less good Master of the Cube.
0: Uh, no, no. This is a less I, uh, good Strange Supreme scalpel of Strange. Because you can only do it I, once per turn.
1: And, and it is also another allied character. So in that regard, it does make it slightly better than Master of the Cube. I don't like the four power cost on this. I, I, am just going to be completely upfront with it. I think it's a great ability. I think at four power costs, it's, I I don't know. I, I feel like you're, you're going to want to like throw stuff a little bit more often, or I think you might want to like chase that reality bows to me a little bit more often. I, I, I don't know if it was three, I would be using it all the time at four. It just feels a little restrictive.
0: I think it's worth noting. This is not only allied characters. Which is didn't I mention that? I think you said you said because it's allied characters,
1: but no, I think I said because you can get more than allied ah, characters. It's go. better than re uh, than the other cube, yeah. But I want to um, so I want maybe wanna I spoke a little quietly.
0: Highlight that though, because I think that's why it costs four is because you can affect your opponent and a range three place is pretty big. With that being said, I think the once per turn caveat on it is enough to make that uh, that four power cost be a little higher like with strange Supreme it makes sense because he can just keep doing it over and over and over again. So it makes sense to put it at a higher bar. but because this can only be done once per turn, I think that four power cost it's it's gonna be rarely used. On this character, I think, overall.
1: Well, especially considering that uh, Red Skull seems to want to operate at range four a lot of the times as well. And you need to be within range two to use it. Like, how often... Like, it, It's going to be more of a panic button than anything else, I think.
0: Yeah, and I think it's going to be for his own purposes more than anything. Is he's going to just use it on himself more often than not?
1: Quite possibly. Um, Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I feel like this power... To me, it feels like it'd be better at a three cost than a four cost. I don't think it would be too oppressive at three. Um, but, I mean, that that's me. It's Of his entire card, this is the only thing that I'm kind of down on.
0: Yeah, no, I think that's really fair. His last superpower is an innate one. Power is only for the one who rules. When this character spends power to make an attack action or to use a superpower... It may spend power for the attack or superpower from an allied character within range 3 of it. So this is where I think, again, when you start to put the picture together... Okay, he doesn't have to use his own power. He can steal power from other characters.
1: I think it's also important to note that this also does not have the caveat of once per turn.
0: Correct. So... Anytime you want to do nothing is beyond my reach, you can say, okay, cool. You look, you've got two power. Give me some. Or Modok, you've got some extra power. Give me some. Or let's just go with a character that you never see on the table just because I want to say their name. Sin, give me some power.
1: <laughs> no, it, it's it's really great because it means you can you can really blow through Red Skull's power. And then you'll still usually have power left over to do a reshape the world or do a nothing is beyond my reach. I uh, just giving you that extra like utility. like it's it, it's gonna be a little a little mean, especially if you' you're coming off around where maybe your team got beaten up a little bit, so you have a whole bunch of power in a little bubble around Red Skull and he decides to activate. I mean, <laughs> like that's that's easily looking at a couple reality bows to me, you know, throwing something around and and then maybe just teleporting somebody away,
0: yeah, yeah, exactly. So. I, I think that could be a, a pretty spicy little bit of a of kit here, and and that's all that Red Skull has. And Leland, in totality, I really like this character. I do agree with you. Nothing is beyond my reach is a little overcosted, but in all in all, I really like this version of Red Skull.
1: Oh yeah, it's. I this version of Red Skull feels a lot better than OG Red Skull does. Um, he feels like he has a lot more utility. He feels like he's going to be much more impactful on the uh, on the board. Uh, I always kind of felt like the original Red Skull felt like he was just like, okay, well, I'm going to power up and then I'm just going to portal somebody around and maybe get an attack in if I can. This yeah. one actually feels like he's he's going to be able to impact the game a lot more.
0: Completely agree. I think that we're we're going to see this version of Red Skull much more often than the original version which the original version still has a great leadership and everything, but to your point, it was just a four-threat model that didn't do much a lot of the time. And I think that this is a four-threat model that you're going to see doing quite a bit.
1: Oh, for sure, yeah. I, I think everything on his kit is useful, uh, and everything is within reach as well. Like, nothing feels... Like, e- even though I feel like nothing is beyond my reach is one power too expensive, it is still definitely something that is... Between his other abilities and his ability to generate power, it's it's not like it's going to be insurmountable. I mean, yeah. we're not talking Cyclops levels of power inefficient <laughs> here, right?
0: Correct, correct. So, Leland, is there one affiliation, not Cabal or the expected Hydra, that you could see Master of the World benefiting from? We've already kind of mentioned First Avenger, Captain America. That just feels generically good for everybody,
1: you got Ooh, any other ones? This this one's this one's kind of a tricky one. Um, I think he could kind of be interesting in Modoc Criminal Syndicate. Mm. Um, I I don't think I don't think amazing. I think interesting. Uh, but I really like that the mechanic of you know roll a wild get an extra success for sure. Uh, I I always I always really dig that. Um, alternatively, you know, throw him, throw him in like, say a Wakanda or, you know, have, you know for, for a little bit of bending thing, new, uh, new Tony's shield, yeah. uh, where he just has that pay one to get a reroll, um, ability as well. Uh, cause I, I think he, it feels like when he's making attacks, you want to try and get those triggers off as often as you can.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I
1: alternatively old Steve.
0: Oh, definitely. Old Steve would, would certainly benefit from a little master of the world red skull here it's it's he's turned over new leaf okay yeah exactly he's reformed he's reformed so i like those i think those are some really really strong choices i've got a bit of a weird one and that would be something like an asgard so you can surround him with people that start with a bunch of power and then just like okay cool nothing is offline for him at any point functionally
1: I mean, yes and no. I, I think one of the problems with uh, with that is that, like, you still it seems like you can still only choose one character to pay for him, so it still takes a little bit to ramp up uh, for other car- characters to start paying for his uh, his abilities. That's true, but uh, especially late game, I can I can definitely see a little bit more uh, advantage to it. Yeah. Um. Yeah. It's, if if you were able to get like a turn one, nothing is beyond my reach, and just say teleport Thor up to a point where all of a sudden now he can do a four Asgard. And charge in on turn one and double tap someone. Um, Thor becomes a lot more interesting in that regard as well.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it's one of those things where I don't necessarily think it's like off the rip good. But I think it's, I think it's what it's, it's like, it's cute. And, and sometimes I want to try cute things. Oh,
1: of course.
0: You know, and of
1: course, why not?
0: And I'll say that about this version of Red Skull. I think we have another character here that I actually don't think we're going to see splashed often. I think when you see this character on the board, more often than not, he's going to be either a leader or in a Cabal squad, and let's just go ahead and talk about the big cat in the room, who is Cabal-affiliated. <laughs> not my fat cats, okay? Those those cats are, are somewhere <laughs> else. We're talking about big bad kitty dad, male Keith, and how he's Cabal-affiliated, and he probably loves this leadership
1: i i do not relish uh the idea of going into a match with uh, red skull and malkith and malkith all of a sudden having the reality stone on top of his ability to pay to make skulls uh better as well like i just I, i don't relish that
0: right like it's one of those things where in my head this feels like a leadership that mal loves but because mal can spend the power anyways to change skulls to crits Maybe, maybe it's not as good as I think it is, but I, I don't know. I read this as excellent for him.
1: When it goes off and you can get your full use out of it, it's going to be really oppressive. Uh, and a lot of the time it's just kind of feel like it's kind of there.
0: Yeah. Another one that I think, again, like more so than him splashing around is people playing the game with him. Um, Cosmic Ghost Rider. Seems seems pretty, pretty good. For this, probably, yeah.
1: Uh, feels kind of like a win more for Cosmic Ghost Rider. I mean, he's with yeah. the psychosis token. He's already counting his skulls as successes anyway. This would just turn one of those skulls into a crit, so he gets an extra extra die. But yeah, let let's get let's give CGR some more stuff to just make him feel bad on the table.
0: <laughs> hey, you 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 take that 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 out of yeah. You know, you're probably right, but. No, I just—he's yeah, yeah, yeah. a fun character. I hate to—I hate that I love him so much because he's—he's he, ridiculous. He's a,
1: he's a bully, though.
0: He's ridiculous. I can cop to that. As much fun as I have with him, but anyways, Leland, I don't think we've got anything else for Red Skull other than a couple of tactics cards, and I want to get through these kind of quick, just because we're we're running ultra long on time here. Cosmic obliteration. So not cosmic invigoration, which. I'm going to go ahead and say here, Master of the World Red Skull cannot use Cosmic Invigoration, but Cosmic Obliteration is an unaffiliated active card. Johann Schmidt may spend any amount of power to play this card. Remove all special conditions from Johann Schmidt. Then choose one non-dazed enemy character within range 3 of Johann Schmidt for each power spent to play this card. So for each power that you spend, you get to choose a character. Each chosen character gains one of the following conditions: hex, root, or incinerate. I kind of love this tactics card. Like it feels it, fun. It's rude. <laughs> it yeah.
1: Is, I like it. It it is a very solid card. Uh I mean a one for one uh, power to condition—that's just guaranteed—is just phenomenal, uh, and all three of those conditions are just—they're great conditions to they hang really out. They really are.
0: They really are, and yeah, this this is a, a one of those cards where it's like I don't know if I'm gonna take it every ten, but man, it just seems fun.
1: Honestly, I think it might be worth considering if you if you have this Red Skull in your roster. I think this this card definitely has a strong argument for at least being in the 10, if not the five. Um, Because, I mean, being able to, like... Say you're stuck in the middle of an e-map or something like that. There's three, four enemy characters around you. You know, just drop the four power and just incinerate everyone in the team and then, you know, then go into a reality bows to me.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Oh, gosh. You just want to commit atrocities. There you go. That's definitely some obliteration. But I actually find this interesting on all the other versions of Red Skull, maybe not the original, but like this one and then Master of Hydra, because this is Johann Schmidt, I mean, you can really, really use this on any of them. And I think all three versions would find this to be a pretty effective card.
1: I agree 100%. Like there, there is not a bad, a bad Red Skull to use this card with. And I think yeah, you're absolutely right. All three of them uh, love it. And I love the fact that we're starting to see more cards call out the the alter ego as opposed to the the hero or villain name.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So with that, Leland, I, I think we've got to kind of put a bow on this episode. But uh, where can people find you?
1: People can find me uh, basically anywhere fine battle reports are filmed. So YouTube or uh, you know Discord, Facebook, all this sort of stuff as Aegis Brand Studios. I'm always around and of course I'm always hanging around on the House Party Protocol Discord. Uh it is worth a dollar to come in there and just yell at me for my hot takes.
0: Hey, your hot takes are awesome. It's one of the many reasons why we love you and we love your battle I reports, just, all that fun
1: stuff. I, I just I disrupt the entire Discord for a good half hour whenever I bring one of those in, and it's phenomenal. I live for it.
0: Yes, you're just sitting there like dance, my puppets dance. That's <laughs> it's it's really great. And Leland, you're a wonderful personality and a a really great person to have as part of the house party protocol community but also the broader mcp community make sure to check the link in the descriptions to get leland's videos youtube channel over there and i'm excited for what you've got in store my friend uh, because you've given me a little tease of some stuff that's coming up over there which i am very excited for
1: it's a new era for the uh brand studios battle reports coming up
0: Hey, there you go. And it's a new era for, for MCP. So that just makes sense. But, uh, exactly suits. Thank you so much for being here. I want to really, I hope this comes across every single person that chooses to listen to this podcast, whether it's for the whole thing, for just a little bit of it, it doesn't matter. I am so grateful to that. It is really wonderful. I really appreciate everything that y'all do for the community out there and for for bringing this podcast out into the world you know it's just it's it really it means so much to me and for the suits over there on the patreon i just every single time i open that discord app or i look at patreon i am so grateful and so humbled that there are people out there that enjoy this enough to do that i i just it means the world to me. It really does. Uh, I was talking to my wife about it the other night and just, you know, she was like, that's awesome. And it, it really is. It really is awesome. Thank you so much. And make sure to send us messages, house party protocol Pod at gmail.com. I love chit-chatting with you guys over there. Facebook is a great way to interact. Comment on the posts I make, send me messages over there on Facebook. You can also, like I said earlier, come over to the Discord. It's patreon.com slash housepartyprotocol. And it's a dollar a month to come and hang out with us and and chit-chat and talk about there's, you know, people have met up, you know, when they found out they live locally with some other people and all that kind of stuff so like it's it's a whole vibe it's a whole good time and um you might be asking well why does it cost a dollar to be in the discord i know there's other people that it doesn't cost anything it's literally to keep the trolls out and if if a troll wants to spend a dollar to come and and troll well then you know whatever but ultimately it's to keep the trolls out so i i want to say i appreciate everyone again that does that and uh uh yeah you know i I gotta say to all those suits out there listening thanks for your time be good to yourself be good to others party on leland
1: party on will
0: and power down suits